This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. We'll be on our, our series here, The Anointing of God. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to jump into the Holy Spirit, and oh my goodness, it's going to be good. But this week, we're going to stay with the touch of God and His strength. Again, if you need a Bible, once you get your hand up, our ushers would gladly get you one, then go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4 as well, we'll begin this morning. So as you're going to Proverbs 4, I don't know if this defines you, this really defines me, that it seems like life is a never-ending cycle of decisions and choices. Just never ends. And those decisions and choices that I make, they have the ability to alter my destiny whether that's where you work, who you marry, where you go to school. But the question I want to start with us today is what or who influences your decisions and your choices? And I believe it's very big that we we don't make our decisions and choices based on our flesh or the things of the world, but we actually allow the Holy Spirit to move in us and we allow the word of God to speak to us. And so the question off of that is what becomes priority? And I, I wanna serve God. I wanna follow God. So we begin here in Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Above all, watch over or guard the affections of your heart. Now again, when, when we talk about the heart, I'm not talking about this major organ within me that pumps blood, but the seat or the central part of my emotions, my thoughts, my wills, everything within me, the most vital part of me. And this is what he's talking about, the heart. And it's interesting that he said, guard your heart. Protect your heart. Just don't let anything or everything influence your heart. Now, why would he tell us this? He goes on to say, for out of it, out of my heart, spring the issues of life. So the things of life, they they come from my thoughts, my will, my affections, my emotion. And again, you begin to see in this thing called the world that the Bible stands in opposition to the things of the world. Many people right now in our society will tell you, well, the Bible is outdated. It's not. And many people will say, well, people who believe the Bible, you're just narrow-minded. No, I'm God-minded, okay? And so I believe it's very important, again, that we guard our heart with the things of the Holy Spirit. We guard our heart with the Word of God. And I continue to look to the Word of God. Now, go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 9. Matthew, chapter 9, and... Oftentimes in this life, we only pay attention to the external things, the the physical things. And when our life gets stuck or out of order and we only look to the outward things, it's very easy to do what Adam and Eve did. They started playing the blame game. And we can blame our spouse, we can blame our, our boss, we can blame the government. But the inside of me, my heart, It's not changed by the things around me. It's changed by something that happens within me. 
And most of us, our nature, we think, man, if I just could get a new job, if I could just get a new spouse, maybe I shouldn't have said that one. New choices that, you know, may, may be in, we need a new president, we need a new address, I need a new home, I need... But the God that we serve, he does his best work right in here within our hearts, right here within every one of our hearts. And it's never too late in this life to do a U-turn. If you don't like the last chapter of your life, then ask God to do a U-turn in your life right now. And I believe a U-turn in life can be triggered by one prophetic word, one prophetic sentence, even one prophetic verse in the Bible, that man, it's like an arrow that hits me and you're like, that is so God. That's a, so that's my prayer today. That every one of us in here, we have a God moment, a God experience, a God encounter today. And it may be through the word of God. It may be through a prophetic utterance today, but I want God to move in your heart where you leave here differently and you believe God that God's gonna start a new story in your life, okay? Thank you, thank you for the excitement. Matthew 9, verse nine. And Jesus passed on from there, so where he's leaving the region of Capernaum, far north Sea of Galilee, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. So Jesus goes by this tax office. And, and this tax office, they all knew what that meant. That it was a place that this man named Matthew, who was a Jew, was collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman government here. Now you gotta get this about a tax collector in there at that time. They were viewed as despised. Hated, bunch of thieves and cheaters. And so Jesus is strolling by this Jew named Matthew who's a tax collector. Keep reading. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now it's amazing what two words can mean to an individual. A simple prophetic word from the Lord Jesus to Matthew said, follow me. Follow me. Now Jesus knew stuff about Matthew. He knew his occupation. He knew he was a Jew. He knew he was a thief and a cheater. But it's interesting right here, it didn't disqualify him from the things of God. Actually, I believe Jesus was attracted to him. So when Jesus says, follow me, look at Matthew's response. He arose and he followed him. This statement triggered a change, a new chapter in Matthew's life. Everything changes off of two words. Follow me. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever had a, a prophetic word or something, even maybe in your Bible study early in the morning where you read something and it's like it came off the pages and jumped in your heart and you're like, that's so God. That's so God. 
Last week when we were in the service, I had read a scripture that it talked about sexual immorality and it literally said through the apostle Paul that this was sin. And I don't know if this lady's in here. I thank God these lights get me where I can't see a lot of times. I can't see your faces. But after the service, she came up to me and she said, when you talked about sexual immorality and the Lord Jesus through Paul said it was sin, she said, it's like an arrow hit me right here. And she said, you were reading my mail. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not that smart. I'm glad you think I am, but I'm not. I said, that was the Holy Spirit. And when we give the Holy Spirit opportunity to be the teacher, remember in John 16, he said, and I'll give you the Spirit of God who's the Spirit of truth who will lead you and guide you into the truth. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And so in this situation, follow me. And off of those two words, I believe only the Lord Jesus knew the potential of that prophetic utterance to this man named Matthew, where it would ultimately lead. And when I read the rest of this passage, you got to get this, okay? Off of those two words, follow me, Matthew is the one that begins to write this through the unction of the Holy Spirit. So Matthew, he's getting to tell me and you his experiences and his conversion in his life. So you know what he's saying? I get to tell you about this new chapter in my life where once upon a time I was a thief and a crook, but something happens when I follow Jesus. Something happens. There's a few of you kind of excited. Verse 10. Now it happened as Jesus said at the table in the house and what's literally going on Jesus and his disciples, they get to go to dinner with Matthew at his house. Now, I want you to note who's there. That behold, many tax collectors, many cheaters and thieves and liars, and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples, the outcasts. The misfits, the Amplified says, those who are especially wicked sinners. So it's interesting right here. In the writing, Matthew says, these tax collectors and these sinners. But let me ask you something off of that. Are there any labels in your life or your past life that are trying to find your story right now? Is it drunk? Cheater, thief. See, I, I can have a mindset. I can have bad habits. I, I can have things of my past that tried to define my story in my life. And what begins to happen is when we begin to believe those old labels, they have the ability to hijack and hinder my new chapter if I allow them to. Now, it's interesting right here. Matthew's writing this. He's pinning this. And this is what he says. Keep reading, verse 11. And when the Pharisees, when they saw, when they saw who Jesus was eating with, they said to his disciple, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does your master eat with such low lives and scum? 
Now, when you look at the Pharisees, these were the people who were the perfect ones, or they thought they were perfect. And they have the thought in their life, it's their responsibility to describe who everybody else is. This is who you are, because we're the somebodies. We're the better than thou's. And it always interested me about these guys named Pharisees that they were able to point at everybody else's faults. Do you know in 1 Peter 5, 5, Peter said this. He said, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And you know who the proud are? The ones who think they can go around and say, that's scum, that's a misfit, that's a nobody. You all ought to look at us because we're who's who in the church. That's a sad place to be in. But that was their thinking right here. Verse 12. And when Jesus heard that, he overheard what they said. He said to them, to the Pharisees, those who are well have no need of physician, but those are sick. Wow. Healthy folk don't need a physician. Just the sick. Now, Jesus right here is liking himself to the physician, but here's the truth of this whole statement. Every one of us are sick. Every one of us are sick. There's none who hasn't blown it, who hasn't missed it, none. All have fallen short of the glory. Well, I haven't. Well, listen, Mr. Pharisee, come on up here. And we're going to pray for you, okay? We're going to pray that that pride will leave you. We're all sick. And you know what Jesus is saying? I'm the cure. I'm the cure to the misfits, to the scum. I'm the cure. Verse 13. But go and learn. Whoo, what a statement. Go and learn. Go and learn what? What this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. His desire was mercy's kiss. You know what mercy is? I don't get what I deserve. And you should have shouted. Thank God I don't get what I deserve. You know know what I deserve and you know what you deserve? Now you may not think this, but you deserve damnation. Okay? That's eternally damned is what that means. That's what we deserve, but because of mercy's kiss, what the Lord Jesus did for us, we don't get what we deserve. He goes on to say, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Ooh, there's a couple of <laughs> So you know what he's saying there? To the people in this world who know I don't have it all together. I got problems. I call the sinner to repentance to publicly acknowledge I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I've missed it. But thank God for his mercy. And and he said, I desire a, a mercy and sacrifice. So when you go back and you look at that, remember what he said to, first, uh, to Samuel there, way, way back in the Samuels. He said, I desire obedience over sacrifice. I don't get saved by being a good person. Okay, that's not how you get saved, all right? You know how you get saved? 
You just received the gift of salvation. I'm saved by grace through faith. But once I give my heart to Jesus, the proof or the evidence that I've been truly born again, I have a desire to obey him. I have a desire to live holy. I have a desire to stay in this covenant with the Lord Jesus. That I want to live for him. Now to help you with that just a little bit, go with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to springboard off of two thoughts that Matthew said. Follow me and go learn. Now, when you give your heart to Jesus, salvation, that's the starting point, okay? Jesus didn't say, once you get born again, just, just go live however you want. No, he said, follow me. And then he said, go and learn. Go and learn. How do I learn? I must be a student of the B-I-B-L-E. And whatever is not fed will die. Proverbs 12, not Proverbs, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, a proper response, therefore, brethren. So when you see the word brethren there, you must understand, now he's writing specifically to people who've given their heart to Jesus. I'm born again. Now, look, look what he prescribes here. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, the kiss of God, that you present your bodies. How am I to present my body? A living sacrifice. And his desire for me and you is to be holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So when I live holy before God, and I want to please you, Lord. I want to do what you love. I, I decrease so that you may increase. I, I, decrease for, I decrease in me and increase in you. Draw me a little closer. Pull me a little deeper, Lord. I want to stay a little longer. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be molded or shaped by this outer fashion, this outward appearance to accommodate oneself to a model or pattern. Don't let the world mold you. So what's the definition of the world? The world system. The world operates how it does. And it's interesting, he says, don't let the world mold you. Don't let the world shape you. So what do we do? I become transformed. How do I become transformed? By the renewing of my mind to the word of God. To a renovating of my mind. A restoration of my mind. A freshness that thinks in the line with the word of God. You know what you, some people would say on that? He's trying to religiously brainwash us. No, that's not what I'm trying to do. 
I'm trying to see where you understand the importance of the word of God. Something happens when I begin to think in line with the word of God. I wish the Bible would tell me how to be a great husband. It does. That's Matthew 5. I wish the Bible would tell me how to raise my children. It does. That's Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, 7, if you want to be accurate. See, again, everything I need is found in the Word of God. But I must continually renew my mind to the Word of God. So I like to say it this way. You get in the Word, God will get in you. But I got to get into the Word. I got to get in the Word. The great evangelist of old Smith Wigglesworth said this. We feed our natural man three hot meals a day. And we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're spiritually malnourished. That hurt, Pastor. That hurt a lot. Man, I got to get in the Word. I got to get in the Word. How often? Well, let me ask you something the natural. How often do you eat each day? I would be willing to bet everybody in here at least eats one meal a day. Some two. Some three. Some with a bunch of snack times in between. So again, anything that's not fed will die. I got to get the word of God in me. And that becomes a discipline. And when you read the word of God, I encourage you, get it up in a translation that you can understand. And don't read the word for, for quantity. Read the word for quality. Amen. How many of you have ever read a chapter in the book? You read your Proverbs that day. And after you finished, you closed the book and you thought, I don't have one clue of what I just read. Have you ever been there? You know what that means? Slow down. When you eat something real good, you don't take a bite and go, at least I hope you don't. You take it and you chew it. And you savor it. And you look at your wife and say, oh my gosh, that's so good. That's angel food. And that's when you look at your children and you say, I got one last bite. And guess who's going to get it? <laughs> Be transformed by the renewing of the word of God to my mind. Now go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to do my best here to let the word of God come alive with you here where you see this. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. If you'll note here, this is red letter. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. And he said, and Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? Question mark. How then will you understand all the parables? Question mark. Now this is the Lord Jesus writing this to us. So you know what the Lord Jesus is telling us off of this parable right here? You got to get this one. 
You got, you got to get Mark 4. You got to get this one because this one right here, it's the granddaddy of them all. If you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of them. So I got to soak in this. I got to get marinate in this. I got to get this on the inside of me, okay? Verse 14. The sower sows the word of God. The farmer plants. In the spiritual realm, he's saying the sower must plant the word of God. It's got to get into his heart. So the seed is always the word of God, always. The only difference I find in this passage here is the seed always stays the same. The problem is what type of soil the seed falls in. Now I'm going to tell you right now, you're probably going to be in one of these four categories, okay? It's not too late to keep moving forward. Verse 15. These are the ones sown by the wayside. It's like the hard heart. It's a hard-hearted, the wayside. Now listen real close. Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So when you see the wayside, it's the area that's way, way out on the field. And it's so far out on the field that that ground is never cultivated. It's never tilled. It's a place where the sprinklers don't quite reach. That's the wayside. Maybe this will help you a little bit. Maybe you got a sprinkler system in your yard. And right now, oh man, I need to pray about that too today. It's gonna rain today in Jesus' name. There's a bunch of you are gonna get in. But anyway, back, back, back to the sprinkler. It's a place in your yard where you walk out there and you look and you say, man, everything's green. And then you look at that area and it's, it looks like the Sahara Desert. You know what you realize? Sprinklers aren't reaching that. This is the wayside. We, we get close to the word of God. We hear the word of God. And I will highlight this right now. In all four categories, every one of them is gonna hear the word of God. Is that important? That's huge. But there's more to hear in the word. And so when you see this right here, it's interesting that he goes on and says, and Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Maybe we ought to talk about this just a little bit. What was Satan after here? The word of God. Why would Satan go after the word of God immediately and snatch it? Because it shows us right here that he knows how important and significant the word of God is. He knows this, that according to John 8, 32, only, 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 only the truth will set you free. The truth of the word of God. He knows without faith it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. He knows that. So he's going to go to great degrees to make sure me and you don't get the word of God. This is the wayside. Verse 16. 
These likewise are the ones stone on stony ground, the hollow ground. They hear, they hear the word. Immediately they receive it with gladness. Oh, I love the Bible. It's so good. But they have no root in themselves. You know, to get a root in the ground, it's got to stay in the ground. And it's got to be watered. And it's got to be taken care of. And it's got to get some sunshine. But they have no root in themselves. And look what it says. So they endure only for a time. I'm fired up one day for the things of God. And the very next day, I don't even know if I'm saved. I love church one day. And I hate church the next day. Interesting. They have no root in themselves, only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake. Now, again, I want to highlight here who wrote this. Jesus is writing. This is Jesus' words. And Jesus is warning me and you that when you start living by the word of God, there will be tribulation and there will be persecution. And some people say, I'm out. But when I read this, you know what this says to me? When you begin to experience tribulation and persecution in your life, that's a result of doing the word. That means I'm on the right track. You're going to have persecution, okay? And he ends this verse and he says, and they stumble. They stumble. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown on thorns. They are the ones who hear the word of God. The thorns are half-hearted, I believe, because the cares of this world the cares of this world. So I got this pool. I, I, I hear the word of God, but the cares of the world, there's a competition that's going on and I'm always being pulled at from this way to this way to this way. The cares of the world. And when you see the cares of the world, those aren't necessarily sinful. I O-Y-O, so off to work I go. It seems like, man, I got dentist appointments, I got ball games, I got PTA, I got whatever else in the world. The cares of this world. I've heard it say this way. If the devil can't get you bad, he'll get you busy. I'm just too busy for the word of God. But I have time to watch all the reruns of MASH every evening at 5 on TV land. That hurt, Pastor. You don't have to say those things. Some of you don't even know what MASH is, do you? The cares of this world. Hmm. The deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches, the love of money, the dollar. Woo. And the desire for other things. 
He who has the most toys wins. That's another lie too, okay? The desire for other things. See, God's not against me in this world going to work and doing things. God's not against me having money. God's not against me having things. But the problem is when those things start being the God of my life or they dictate whether I'm in church or whether I'm in the Word. So I'm being pulled. Let me ask you, what's pulling on you right now? What's pulling on you? Now look what he ends with this statement. And it enters and it chokes the word. You've got the word of God coming up. And you've got these thorns coming up. And because I, I'm pulled by the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, those thorns choke out the word. And he said, and it becomes unfruitful. Ooh. See, the word of God will locate you. Verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. Got to hear the word. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got to hear the word of God. But he said, not only do they hear the word of God, they accept the word of God. That word accept there means they welcome it. They live in accordance. They hold fast on it. They accept it. Do you know what they say? I'm going to base my life off the word of God. I don't know what to do with money. Well, the Bible tells you what to do with money. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. See, the Bible has the answer for everything. If I'll just get in there. The Bible's what I call is, is buried treasure. Sometimes you've got to dig to find it. But they accept it. Now, off of that statement... If you had to give yourself a grade on how well you accept the Bible, what type of grade would you give yourself? Well, I got a D minus. You know the word, Pastor. C's get degrees. My wife didn't like when I'd say that. She said, don't say that. Sorry, parents, if I blew your coverage today. Hold on to the word of God. I live by the word of God. Joshua 1. Joshua has become the man of God. Moses is dead. And God said, you're in charge, pal. He said, you better be strong and good courage. That may be a word, a prophetic word for some of you in here. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong and a good courage. Don't bow to peer pressure. And then he said to him in Joshua 1, 9, he said, listen, Josh, you got to speak the word. Don't let the word of God depart out of your mouth. Cause the word of God to become the rhema, the spoken word. Speak the word out of your mouth. How long? Day by day by day. Colossians 1.13, he said, I've delivered you out of the power of darkness. 2 Peter 2.9, he said, I'll rescue my righteous from temptation. Speak the word. Speak the word over your children. Speak the word. When? Day by day. You eat every day. Speak the word day by day. I got to take time to get in the Word and God will get into me. You know, I was, I was a mess as a teenager growing up. I gave my, my heart to Jesus right around 19. 
And then me and Shelly went to Bible school and this, this was one of the greatest things that could have happened to me. Because five days a week, five hours every day, they would back this big dump truck up over me and her and they would just dump the Word of God on us. And we'd sit there and shovel as much as we could. What happened in that year, day by day, I, I got where I began to treasure this. I began to love this. I, I began to have an appetite for the truth. Man, I began to hunger for the things of God. Let me ask, do you hunger for the things of God? Man, where I'm, this, this is better than the American Express. I don't leave home without it. I love the Word of God. I treasure this. Except they accept it. And because they accept it, they bear fruit. Well, Pastor, I've never bared fruit. It's probably because you didn't accept it. But it's not too late to change that chapter in your life. What's the next thing? And some, they bear 30 hold, 30 fold. If you've never bared any, any fruit, what would happen if you'd go to 30 fold? But I got good news. If you've been a 30 folder, why don't we go up this year to 60? And if you've been a 60 folder, why don't you go up to 100? Where you're immersed in the Word of God. You know, it always amazes me at people sometimes, they get mad what other people have. They get mad. But have you ever had this thought? Maybe it's because they believe God. Maybe it's because they accepted the Word of God a lot, a lot of years ago. See, something happens when I get a hold of the Word of God. I believe this this morning. We need a fresh anointing. Anybody need a fresh anointing on the Word of God? Or you know what? I, 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 I'm not satisfied. I, I want to go deeper and I want to go deeper. Is, is there anybody in here who thinks you've got the Word of God completely figured out? If that's you, raise your hand because I need you to lay hands on me. And I am still a student of the Word. I love to study the Word of God. I gotta, I gotta get the Word of God. You know, they're in Deuteronomy. The Lord said, put the Word of God all over your house. Put it all over your house. I want your kids to see the Word of God. Talk about the Word of God. Some of you young ones in here, you have the thought, well, my mom or dad, they're just trying to cram religion down my throat. If you've said that or you believe that, that's a lie from the devil. Your parents love you enough to tell you the truth. They love you enough because they know the fruit of the Word of God. You're welcome, parents. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor. They listen to you for some crazy reason. I wrote this down. Abundant life is not borrowed from yesterday's surplus. Abundant life is not borrowed from yesterday's surplus. 
You know what? You may ate a great steak last week. You can't live off of it today. And every sacrifice is based off preference. I'm going to ask you to stand right there where you're at this morning. Just maybe you're here today. And you need a new turn in your life. And there may be something that was said today and the Holy Spirit took that and he triggered something on the inside. There's some of you in here today that God wants to write a new story in the next chapter of your life. I believe that with all my heart. That he wants to restore you. He wants to bring back the things of God in your life. He wants to erupt back in you. And you may need a touch of God to renew your mind. You may need something to say, Lord, grace me today to guard my heart. Grace me today, Lord, that I'm not conformed to this world, but I'm transformed today. Grace me, Father God, to fall in love with your word. James 1.22 says, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Woo, Father God, grace me to obey your word. I do her. Why don't you bow your head with me? Oh, Father God, I thank you right now that you are touching hearts in here. That, Lord, you are stirring within individuals and couples and homes a fresh touch of God today. Lord, that you would bring us incredible strength and courage today to be godly in an ungodly world. And just as God took Matthew, the tax collector, our God's still in the business of taking messes and making miracles. So I don't know where you're at today. But if you need a fresh touch, a U-turn, a new chapter in your life, if you need a touch from God today, I welcome you to come down here and say, that's me, Father God. Take a mess and make a miracle. Move within our hearts. As our team gets ready to sing, I just welcome you to open your heart up to the Lord today. Respond to the Holy Spirit, all right? Go ahead, God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.